It's time. It's time. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Dark masks, gather round your TV set. Put on your masks and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third gather commercial, it's still on, please. Watch Take off the third channel, the third channel, it's still running. Stop it, please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to, please, stop it. Stop it now, turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 Welcome everyone to My Bleeding Ears Podcast. This is episode number 52. And uh, my name is Larry. <laughs> if you haven't been keeping up with the podcast lately, I know we've missed a few weeks now because I was ill, and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, my co-host, as always, is Jessalyn. Hello. <coughs> and as you can tell, I'm getting over a cold that I caught from... Pro- That's what I'm thinking. That I caught from the con that Jessalyn and I went to. It was called Halloween Palooza in Ottumwa, Iowa. Very possible. <clears throat> and it was the first uh, convention that we've ever been to. We had a great time, and that we've it, never had a table at. Yeah, we yeah. never. Well, I've been. We've been to many cons, yes. but we never had a table at one. So it was really awesome. We got to meet a bunch of cool people. Yes. Uh, we got to meet a bunch of people from the Preferred Films uh, Podcast Network. Prescribed. Uh, prescribed, sorry. He's Pre- sick, guys. <laughs> As you can tell. Ugh. I'm a lot better, though, because otherwise yeah. I would have sounded like Tom Waits. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it was really great to meet those guys. Yeah, with uh, Jason and Sane Mike, Ted, and some of the new members that they have. Uh, who's there, Mike? Uh, we got to see some of the stars that were... Um, uh, invited to the con from the Halloween franchise. Uh, it was really cool to see them, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sold some stuff and, um, you know, bullshitted with people, and then I got the con flu. Yeah, I wanted to name drop mm-hmm. Holly Berg again, who I've known since she was five. You put on a great Halloween palooza. Well uh, done. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. I got to do a Q&A with Derek Patello, and he's a uh, he wrote a book about Dario Argento and his movies, and he wrote essays about how when he first watched the movies also. <coughs> and it was really cool, because I got to do a Q&A with him, which I always wanted to do, not necessarily with him, but just at anywhere, just do a Q&A with someone who's done something, uh, mm-hmm. albeit a book or a movie or, or whatever. And it was a really great time, and uh, we can't wait to go back next year, so thank you, yes. everyone. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today too. We do. We have. Um, I we've been gone for three weeks now, and we haven't recorded anything. So it's it's about time to get back on that. Uh, I was gonna say boat, but I don't know. For like horse, horse, yeah. The, the horse is what you say. Yeah. Oh yeah, back on that horse. Yeah. Maybe he might even be on a boat. Who knows? But who knows where he is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we went and saw the new Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not a huge fan of the Halloween franchise. I like part one, uh, but I think it's a little overrated. 
Uh, part two is okay. Uh, you know, whatever. It's a cash and sequel, big deal. Uh, part three is the one I like the most, and it has nothing to do with Michael Myers. It's just <laughs> the uh, with those masks it makes kids' heads turn into bugs and centipedes and swoosh and stuff. Yeah, we'll tell them why <coughs> they decided to go in a different direction for three. Yeah, they wanted to make it like a different story for each movie, but since three didn't do so well, then like, hey, let's put Michael Myers back in. Right. And even that was a mistake because those movies are crap. Uh, well, yeah. that's and this is all my opinions. Yeah. People may love the Halloween franchise. I'm not a huge fan. I love Friday the 13th. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. But there's like a big difference between Jason and Michael Myers. And they really marred Michael Myers with the sequels. They gave him what feelings or they gave him uh, intentions that had meaning behind them. Yeah. Which really, I mean, for the shape... Like, you don't need that, but with the subsequent sequels and everything, they, they tried to dive deeper into this Michael Myers character, and it just really didn't need that. All the way up until, what was that, Halloween 6, and then they, what, kind of somewhat rebooted it with Halloween H2O, mm-hmm. and then the sequel to that one, to Resurrection, with Busta Rhymes and... Yeah, um, I don't think I've ever actually seen that one. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I even, someone pointed out to me the other day, too, that uh, when Michael Myers gets, like, kung fu kicked by Buster Rhymes, he, like, makes a whale noise. <laughs> check it out. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> then, of course, the Rob Zombie movies. I'm not a big fan of those, either. A lot of people are. It, it, they really, like, divided fans with those. But then, this next Halloween movie came out, and I saw who was going to be um, writing and directing it, and I was like, okay, this is a different direction to where they're going. Uh, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green were the writers, mm-hmm. and uh, David Gordon Green was the director also. And I I remember him, I uh, did like the, the, the foot fist way or fist foot way, and um, I saw uh, Pineapple Express also. Mm-hmm. He wrote a bu- or he directed a bunch of episodes of Eastbound and Down. Right, too. right, right. Yeah, I think I believe he was a creator too with Danny McBride. Yeah. And Your Highness, which yeah, well, I was going to uh, make a joke about them wanting to forget it. Yeah, and, let's forget that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> Nally Portman did. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was a little intrigued by that. It kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went and saw it. And I was coughing up a storm, of course, in the theater. Yeah, I felt bad for everyone around us, but it couldn't be helped, yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I was surprised, and I enjoyed this movie very much, actually. I gave it a solid B. Me too. Agreed. We, I gave it the same grade. I liked it. I went in with maybe higher hopes than I should have, but I couldn't help it. I'd been reading articles, interviews with Jamie Lee Curtis, and she was just so proud of it. It's something to be very proud of. Yeah, and definitely, she should. Um, so I, my hopes were too high. I, I wasn't disappointed. It was good. I liked it. Solid yeah. Beat. Yeah, some of the parts, you know, seemed like they didn't really belong. But, you know, I mean, that, that's with every movie. Yeah. Uh, there was some really good shots in that movie, too. There's that whole long tracking shot of Michael going to different houses and, mm-hmm. and murdering people. Which we won't get any more spoilers. Not really a spoiler, anyway. And it... Just the way they did it and how they just redid the character from the beginning, you know, I mean, not from the beginning, but just just went on from the first one and, and just disregarded everything else and just made it him the shape again and not have a backstory of him being Laurie Strode's brother, you know, and yeah. it just cut all that crap out and just made him a force to be reckoned with, with 
no intentions, really, other than just the murder. Right. Like, just whatever's in his way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which I liked and which made it scary in the first place. Yeah. And that's how they messed it up in the, the sequels. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I uh, that's a definite recommend for me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Go see it. I wanted to talk about favorite parts, but if we're not going to spoil it, then I can no, tell no, you guys no. my favorite part. <laughs> it's great. I'm sure it's a lot of people's favorite parts. Yeah. It, it, it's a cool concept the way they did this movie. Mm-hmm. They, they just didn't do the same thing that every other movie did. Yes. So, B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and seeing as I was sick, we got to spend a lot of time in bed watching TV shows, and we finally caught up on some stuff, and mm-hmm. we came across The Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. which is done by one of my new favorite directors coming out, Mike Flanagan. He did Oculus, Hush, Ouija, Origin of Evil, Gerald's Game, uh, a bunch of stuff. Like He's a great atmospheric director. And a lot of the stuff he did in this show is, you can tell it's done by him and his style. Mm-hmm. And I think episode six, there's just a lot of great shots in that one. There's just long shots again, which I love. You know, I, I, I just love how they do that. And the the acting is great, and that really helps along with the story, too. And just keeps it flowing. And it, I was glued the whole time. It kind of fell apart for me at the end. But it's really cool how things were explained throughout the series. Yeah, I, I totally agree. If you're not terribly into it, I mean, stick it out until episode six. Because right. that is the best episode of the entire show, I think. And I agree. The ending, which I won't spoil, I found to be a little predictable. And yeah, it was. Same here. I think my favorite episode was five. Because of the reveal at the end of that one, you get to see what someone was haunted by. You get to see why they were really haunted by it. It's really cool. So, um, oh, I thought that was six. Not pretty sure that was episode five. Episode six is where this is with the long shots and they're right, but in the, the funeral the, home. Right, it's in the funeral home that you see it, don't you? No, it's at the end of the episode oh. five. All right, withdrawn. Episode five might be my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but episode six is really it's cool. Very good. Yes, it's where everything starts to come together a mm-hmm. bit more and starts and to make a little more sense. Yeah, and that big the twist that you're talking about, which we also won't spoil made me even more disappointed in the end because that twist in the middle is so good. I never could have possibly seen it yeah, coming. Yeah, same here, same here. Yeah. We got really good actors in there. Like, I love Carla Guccino. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's uh, Henry Thomas, Elliot from E.T. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the woman from Hush? Who played the sister? What's uh, her name? Her name is Was it Kate Katie Siegel. Kate, Kate Siegel. Kate Siegel, yeah, yeah. She did a great job, too. <coughs> the acting in here is absolutely superb. It's really good, yeah. Even, so, <laughs> Michael Huseman, it's not your fault. It's usually the characters that you play that you hate, that I hate. But it was totally, like, perfect casting. This guy is from Nashville in Game of Thrones. He's, like, uh, Daenerys' inv- advisor in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he was that one episode. guy that they recast apart, like, three times. Yeah. Dario, right? Dario, yeah, that's his yeah. name. And I, he's not likable in Nashville. He's not likable in Game of Thrones. And spoilers, he's not likable in Nashville. <laughs> he's cast perfectly, I guess. So definitely check out this one. We won't say anything else about it. No, that's it. Go see it. Still new. Still new. Yeah. Uh, but one that you, uh, you this is a movie that you saw at Halloween of Palooza. Yes. It was one of the submissions there for full uh, feature-length film. And it is called The Fear Footage. 
Yes, the fear footage. So Insane Mike from Attack of the Killer podcast mentioned that we should see this because it did, the jump scares don't usually get him, but the jump scares in this did get him. And so I was intrigued, even though jump scares get me every single time. I'm very, very jittery in movies, so I I knew I would jump. Uh, So I went to see this, the fear footage. Um, The next screening uh, as is listed as October 25th at the Festival of Fear in Edmonton, Canada, if anybody's near there. But other than that, I couldn't find, yeah, a release date or anything like that. It's a very low-budget film. Um, On April 19th, 2016, Deputy Leo Cole vanished. The next morning, his body camera was found. So, Um, okay, so it's a found footage movie. It's a found footage movie. Uh, It's interesting. At the very beginning, you hear these, like, 911 calls saying... Uh, yeah, uh, this house was torn down a month ago or something like that, and I just drove past, and it's back. <laughs> so when I saw that, I was like, ooh, okay. I am intrigued mm-hmm. in this movie. Uh, the writer-director's name is Ricky Umberger. This is his first venture into film, as far as I can see, on IMDb. Uh, I, I'm going to say this was a great start. It's an interesting premise, like I was saying. I was intrigued after the first minute of the film uh, about this house that just appeared again. I will say, and, and the director and writer must know this, it's very, very similar to VHS. Uh, um, the other found footage series. Right, right? the other found footage series. It's one centralized story or wraparound story with uh, other stories and they literally like are putting in a VHS at the beginning so you see these different okay. stories um, and some of the shots were almost like a POV video game like a first person shooter uh-huh. which I wasn't really I couldn't decide if I liked it or not there are some parts uh-huh. where I thought it was kind of distracting but some parts where I thought it was effective uh, but I will say this was a great start. I enjoyed it. I think you're probably going to see a lot more from this guy, and I'll definitely watch the you know additional films that he makes. And Insane Mike was right about the jump scares. Um, they didn't necessarily they do use music a little bit, but they didn't have to use music for all of the jump uh-huh. scares. And I jumped every time. They're really really good. So keep your eyes on Ricky Umberger. He's going to make some good stuff. All right, great, yeah. great. A little rough around the edges, you know. Yeah. But yeah, but you know everything can't be perfect. Gotta start somewhere, man. Yeah, yeah. and you're an independent filmmaker. Yeah, mm-hmm. of, of course, it's not going to be as as well put together as some of these big budget films. But yeah. it's a great place to start. And yeah, I definitely <coughs> see. I see potential for sure. One of the next movies that we've seen lately, and we've seen it a few times, just a little more than I have, is the film Copycat. Yes. Uh, with Holly Hunter and Sigourney Weaver, Dermot Mulroney. Uh, Will Patton, who was also in the newest Halloween yes. movie, too. He's a hey, it's that guy. He's from The Punisher, <laughs> Armageddon. He's in tons of stuff. Uh, why do you like this movie so much? I mean, so when I was 15, I thought I like this movie because I'm fascinated by serial killers. But watching it again and again and again as an adult, I like this movie because it's got two strong female protagonists who are very different from right, each other. Right, yeah, true, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this movie holds up. I still enjoy watching it. Uh, and, yeah, uh, serial killers fascinate me, definitely, but you get Sigourney Weaver and Holly Hunter and starring roles together, you're going to make a great film. Right, right, and it's like we get to learn about the internet in this movie. Yes, the interweb <laughs> is new. <laughs> That's always funny to go back to. Yeah. <coughs> So I, I wanted to say it was Dermot Mulroney's first film, but I was totally wrong. No. It's just the first time I've ever seen him. I remember when it first came out, I saw parts of it, but I really didn't sit through it until I 
we were together. And mm-hmm. That must have been about five or six years ago when I first saw it. Yeah. But I've made you watch it. This is probably the third time I've made Probably, you watch it. yeah. Yeah. Do you like it? I never ask or care. I like no, it. Yeah, like it. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I do like it. It's not like one of my top films of all time. Right. But yeah, it's it's a good film, actually. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy it. And <coughs> it's got Harry Connick Jr. being a real creepy serial killer from prison. That's always fun. And then, yeah, it just, you know, he does all the copycat killings of Ted Bundy and everything. And right. it really just it got me kind of interested in Ted Bundy because I really didn't know all that much. Yeah. So while we were watching the movie, I also wikied fucking uh, Ted Bundy, too. You don't have, you got a wiki to Ted Bundy, right? Sleeping in bed right next to you. Just ask me. Oh, okay. about Ted Bundy. Well, we're watching the movie anyway. <laughs> You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Our movie of the week is the 2017 film Satan Slaves from Indonesia. This is one of the films that we missed from the Cinepocalypse Film Festival. Then, of course, afterward, I find out that this had won awards and everything, and I was like, son of a bitch, you know, yeah. I, I just couldn't fit it into our schedule. It won, they let us rank all the movies. So yeah, it won. we got to vote. And yeah, it won for Best Director, I believe. Okay. So awesome, that's a great job. So this is available on Shutter. The movie is about a singer who has four children and a husband. Mm -hmm. She's very sick in bed. She's been sick for years, it sounds like. Uh, And their family has been collecting royalty checks in order to care for her. (coughs) Those royalty checks have recently run out, so she has to go from the hospital back home, which is essentially hospice. Um, A couple of creepy things happen, and then she dies, and now let's walk through the movie. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... We get to see a few of our car- characters starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the our father figure. Then we have our uh, the our eldest, who is her name is. Uh, I guess they really do they say her name or is she just Rini. Rini, yeah. right? Uh, Rini is the the oldest. She's like a twenty two year old daughter. Tony was the younger brother from her. And then we have the little children that they have. Uh, Bondi is the older of the two younger, and then we have mm-hmm. Ian, who is about to turn seven years old. Mm-hmm. And also we have a grandmother living in there, plus we have the mother, of course, who passes away. Right. And when the mother passes away, weird stuff starts to happen even more than what was already happening. Right. 
then from there on, we just, uh, people start dying, uh, mm-hmm. the grandmother next, and we start digging deeper and deeper into why these weird things are happening in the home, and uh, it gets kind of crazy and pretty scary, and there's a lot of good jump scares in this one, which is crazy for me to say, because I'm not the hugest fan of jump scares, but here they actually do work. Yeah, I like jump scares, but I I can tell, I mean, I think I'm... I have strong opinions on whether or not it was a good jump scare, and these <laughs> these jump scares were all great. I mean, great where I knew I was going to jump and I giggled about it, and then I jumped and I giggled even <laughs> more about it. They, they, he does do it with music every single time. Uh, Joko Anwar, I hope I'm saying that's that the right. director, yeah, yeah, the director and, and writer. He he does do like the loud music jump scare, but it's also a jump scare because I don't I have no idea what I'm about to see he does a really good job of shocking me with something that I did not expect to see yeah what's really surprising about this film too is that it's actually kind of a prequel a semi-remake of an Indonesian an Indonesian film named uh, Satan Slaves but Mm -hmm. you know I, I can't pronounce the original name of it, so I'm not even going to fucking try Yeah, I didn't even write it down, because I knew I wouldn't be able to say it. <laughs> uh, it was released, uh, actually, in 1981, which... Uh, 1982, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And our film takes place in 1981. Mm-hmm. So if you'd seen the original, which hasn't been released in the U.S., because there's not an English translation for it. <coughs> there's not an English translation for it. Mm-hmm. Um... I looked that up online, too, today, and on YouTube, and the movie's actually on YouTube, but there's no English translation, Mm. so you don't know what the fuck's going on. Right. But yeah, uh, it was just a pretty good film. Uh, There's a lot of good good acting. Uh, Mm -hmm. The characters are all likable. Yes. Which is very important. Like, the mm-hmm. older brother, I loved him. The youngest brother was so cute. He's like a <gasps> deaf kid, too. He's adorable. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you really, you really tend to like a lot of these mm-hmm. characters. Uh, what really stuck out to you is this, like, as an Indonesian film, how different it is from maybe American films? Um, well, I don't know <laughs> if I would say that I thought it was different from American films. Well, why do you think these jump scares worked as opposed to maybe films from the United States? Uh, I think part of what makes it different is that a lot of times in American films, especially when you get a really big budget, let's say with the Insidious films or the Conjuring films, the jump scares come with some scary CGI. Right. Like, uh, we just saw a preview. I forget what even it's going to be, but... There's a little child standing at the end of the hall, and the mother calls the child. And oh, the child yeah. starts running, and then, oh, my God, it's an adult man. Yeah, yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. Is that Prodigy or some shit yeah, like that? Yeah, that's what I, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm going to see that movie. <laughs> but that's a good example of how American films with big budgets can use a lot of CGI for their jump scares, and this movie did not have to do that at all. And no, not at all. jumped and giggled, and I was having a great time watching this movie, yeah. Yeah, there were some really scary scenes in this film. Yeah. But they also added a good amount of humor, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to do that in the Halloween movie, too, where it didn't work out as well, or it wasn't funny. But yeah. the, the the funny parts in here do make you laugh. Yes. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's, yeah kind yeah. of thing. There's a part where the, uh, what's-her-face, Rini goes and tries to figure, well, she gets a, a letter from her grandmother, Right after she dies, her grandmother dies, saying, like, go meet this guy. He's going to tell you some stuff about your mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she goes and meets this guy who's probably, like, around, right around her grandmother's age. And he's like, yeah, uh, your mother was uh, part of a cult. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she couldn't have children, so she made a deal with the devil to have children. And after seven years, 
uh, once the child is seven years old, uh, you have they that Satan's child kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, well, the, the youngest, <laughs> youngest child at seven years old becomes the Satan's child. Yeah. Right. And so the kids kind of figure that out, like, because uh, Rini is 22 years old, and mm-hmm. the next youngest is, uh, I want to say, 16, s- 16 or yeah. 17. Mm-hmm. Not seven years just yet. Then the one under that is, like, nine and everything. So, yeah, there she's... She was having children long enough so she wouldn't have to give any up right. <laughs> until, like, the very end, until she died. So that, that was a, a pretty cool reveal with that. Uh, it was unique to me, in, in a way, because mm-hmm. there's been films like that before where, you know, it's Satan's Child. But I like the angle where the mother just kept, you know, having children to kind of just get away from that to in a way. get away from it, yeah, yeah. to escape it somehow. <coughs> So <laughs> weird things start happening. Um, <clears throat> Bondi, the the third or the second to the youngest, starts becoming kind of possessed, and he hears things, uh, hears voices telling him to kill uh, Ian, the youngest. The youngest. Uh, and so he resists those. Um, they're told that the only way that they can beat this demon or the devil is by sticking together and loving each other as a family. And so uh-huh. he does, like, resist this voice and manages not to kill Ian, which we all, at that time, want. We all yes. think, yeah, we'll resist the urge to kill this poor six, almost yes, seven-year-old. exactly. And so <laughs> we get to the end, and it's kind of inevitable that that child was never yours. He was always supposed to be Satan. Right. And you actually find out that father, <laughs> that's how he's billed, Probably wasn't the father of any of the children. Right, it's right, right. One of the cult members that fathered yes. these kids. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, what's really cool too is that throughout this, I, I believe the mother possesses the uh, the second youngest child. That's what it is. Yes. And is telling her to kill that child so there wouldn't be Satan or all these other people around because the youngest mm-hmm. child wouldn't exist anymore. Well, the ch- well, it would exist, but not be alive and not be able to become Satan. So, right. as we're like saying, no, 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 don't kill the kid. Yeah, you should be killing this kid because it's going right. to be Satan. Yeah, we find out that later on in the film, they think the family is going to be taken away by the dead because the house is right next to a cemetery. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, there's zombies in this movie too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and as soon as I found out the cemetery where their mother was buried was right next door, and I also laughed. And laughed. <laughs> yes, like, this is gonna be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. um, and it is. Uh, the second twist kind of comes when um, uh, Rini's she meets this one guy. Uh, I forgot his name, Hendra. Yeah. And his father is a like a Muslim priest or whatever you call him. And um, he goes to visit that guy again that she got the information from, from her grandmother. And he's, like, saying, you know, I made a mistake, kind of. I redid this article, and it'll explain better to you why this is happening. And, I, and he, uh, Hendra, goes back to tell Rini that, and he gets killed in an accident yeah, <laughs> on his way there. And it's pretty gruesome. brutal. Yeah. He gets uh, kind of a toad under the car, like a keel hauled, I guess. That's, uh, I guess, another boat reference there. <laughs> and he dragged underneath the the, uh, the, the truck and gets uh, gets wasted. And uh, she never really finds out exactly what um, the, the guy was talking about until she finds the letter that the one guy had given Hendra. So later on she reads that and is and is finally revealed that, yeah, the, the little guy is Satan after everything. Right. You can't save him. Yeah, yeah there's exactly. no saving him. So at, at first he was supposed to be just a sacrifice. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So that's what you think he's right. 
And so you think Bondi's being possessed by the devil to sacrifice this boy. Right, right, right. So the ending was a little confusing at first, until I read up about it a little bit, and then I read it was a prequel. And those characters at the end... Because um, everyone survives ex- in the family except for the little kid, Ian. Mm-hmm. He's taken away by Satan's slaves. Or the, by the zombies and all the cult members. Right. And he's pretty evil, it seems. Yeah, he seems... He doesn't seem yeah, like... Yeah, right. as they're driving away. <clears throat> and uh, the family friend or whatever friend of the mother says, that was never your son. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah you're, you're not doing anything. It, it's mm-hmm. going to be alright. So, uh, the, the family ends up moving to, like, a downtown, they say, um, like, I'm thinking Singapore. And they get a flat there, and these two people who live next door to him, uh, like, give the family food, because they're still kind of poor, because, again, with the royalties the mother was making, they mm-hmm. never really had any money. And at the end, the, this couple says, yeah, we need to keep an eye on these this family uh, for a long time, right. so which leads you into uh, the 1982 uh, movie. So yeah, I, I thought that was kind of cool, you know. Yeah. But it, it kind of sucks. You have to read up on it a little bit because you know they haven't released that movie. But it's also like a little cool thing that you get to meet these two characters at the end of this movie that are in the next one. Yeah, who just do this <laughs> elaborate dance in their apartment yeah. to the credits, and you're just sitting here like. What? What? Yeah, well, I what? guess it has significance in yeah. the, in the uh, original. So I, knowing it's a prequel was helpful, yeah. <laughs> uh, what rating do you give this movie? I gave it an A-. minus. A-? minus. The minus is only because they, the idea that they totally accept that the seven-year-old boy they thought that was, her, was their brother or son is just gone and now they're fine. <laughs> it bugged me a little. Like, yeah, you same know, yeah, at, at the end, yeah. <laughs> I know he was Satan the whole time, but you didn't know that the first seven years of his life. Right, right. That's all. I thought there would be a little bit of sadness there, so minus. Otherwise, great jump scare. Good story. <laughs> Loved it. <coughs> uh, I give it a B. Okay. Uh, I guess I didn't like it as much as you did. Uh, it did kind of seem like a rehashing of a few things, and they did use, like, the... Like the music jump scare thing too much. I believe if they would have just let it go for a few times instead of, you know, having that jolting music jump scare, you know, that you get in all movies, which they do. And they do it for pretty much all the scares. Yeah. I would have liked if they just would have cut it out of a few of them. They didn't need it for all of them. I agree. It would have been scary without the loud dum. Oh, yeah. I counted three, four deaths in this one. Okay. No breasts, no penises. Uh, and there's the, the, the deaths are pretty cool, you know, <laughs> especially the car one and the uh, keel hall. The keel hall, fun? yeah, that's well, that's what you do when you like tie a rope around someone's foot and you you uh, on a boat and you throw them overboard and then you drive the boat and it hauls them in the back. Yeah, it's fucked up. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I used to roll with some pretty fucked up sailors back yeah. in the day. All right. <laughs> Learn something new every day, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your favorite part of this movie? Uh, I would have to say uh, just that motorcycle scene where the guy gets caught underneath the truck. (laughs) That was pretty cool and surprising and and well played and well filmed. Uh, This movie looks great, too, by the way. It's, Mm -hmm. It's very well filmed. The filmmakers are definitely talented. Great acting again. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing this one again at some point in time. Yeah, agreed. Any, uh, your favorite part? 
Uh, my favorite part is one of the jump scares. It's before the mother's dead. Um, the daughter here. So the mother has this bell. It's a running theme. When right. she needs someone, she rings the bell. And of course, you know, that's going to come throughout the movie of it this does. bell yeah, ringing. After yeah. she's dead, you still hear the bell ringing. Um, so the daughter hears it, walks into the bedroom, sees her mother standing in the window, but then looks at the bed, and her mother is lying in the bed, pointing at the woman standing at the window, and then the daughter wakes up like it's a nightmare, hears the bell, goes back into the <coughs> sees her mother standing at the window, and immediately you're like, look at the bed first! Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> she looks at the bed, and the bed is empty, but when they cut back to the mother, the mother has turned around from the window, facing us, and her mouth is wide yeah. open, and she's like, ah! and then she dies. <laughs> so scary like I laughed and I was terrified it was awesome <laughs> so uh, definitely check this movie out it's on Shudder new release there uh, great film yeah it's a good pick you know it's, I, I'm, I'm sad I missed it it's an apocalypse me too you know? there's yeah. just so many films we're gonna have to take the whole week off next time so we can review all of them it would have scared the shit out of me in the theater yeah, so yeah. I wish I'd seen it that's yeah. why it probably won uh, best uh, director or mm-hmm. whatever awards it won but yeah it's 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 a very good film yeah alright that about wraps it up for us this week uh, I'm cutting a little short I'm coughing up uh, not blood or anything but it's, it's it's not pretty still. No, it's going to edit out a lot of gross coughs. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's like I'm hanging out with the guy, the one of the bad guys from that video game Left for Dead. They're called the Smokers. Oh. And you can hear them like in the games go ah, ah, it's like <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty gross. <laughs> anyway, take it easy guys and we, I will see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>